0: Welcome to the Remembering Ethan podcast. I'm Chris Tafoya. My guest today is Kirsten Newman. Kirsten is a vocalist in the Phoenix area and a musician. And it's in that scene that she met Ethan and they quickly became an item, started dating and eventually got married. And Kirsten was married to Ethan when he passed away. I hadn't met or spoken to Kirsten before Ethan got sick, but I did hear about her. Uh, He called me. When they met and he was very excited and he told me about how he was a stepfather and um, you know i heard stories about her over the years that they were together but when i heard he was sick i reached out and contacted her and we kept in touch through that whole ordeal and soon after he passed away um, we had several phone conversations became pretty good friends i would say at that point soon after i contacted ethan's parents to get permission for the podcast I also got a hold of Kirsten, and I wanted to get her blessing as well, and she graciously granted it. And uh, she's been very supportive and encouraging of my journey uh, with the podcast. And I'd always wondered if she, you know, wanted to speak or have a conversation with me on the podcast. And I don't know, it's just one of those things where I didn't know if it was too heavy for her or if it was something that she was interested in doing. I knew she was listening because she would let me know about episodes that she liked. Um, But I didn't want to bug her about it, you know. And so about a month ago, out of the blue, I got a text and the text said, I'm ready. And uh, I was very excited to talk to her. And we had a wonderful conversation And it was very positive and beautiful, and um, I'm glad that she reached out to me. So here's my conversation with Kirsten. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Kirsten.
1: Hi, friend. (laughs) How are you?
0: Good. How are you tonight?
1: I am fantastic. And I'm very, very happy to be sitting here chatting with you as much face to face as we can be right now.
0: (laughs) I know, right? We were talking before I hit the record button. And this is the first time that we've looked at each other and talked, but we've talked plenty on the phone over the past couple of years. Yeah. So I was really excited to talk to you. And I have a bunch of questions, a lot of things that I'm curious about. So thank you
1: for taking the time to talk to me too tonight. It's always pleasure chatting with you and I love that we get to make some time to, to to hang out
0: tonight for a little bit me too yeah it does feel like we're just kind of hanging doesn't
2: it yeah <laughs> like I stop
0: by and ch- I promise that I will make it out to Arizona some point and we can um hug for reals and spend some time together and all hang out and I haven't seen Steve in a long time so it'll be cool to see him too
1: yeah, I, I was telling him I was meeting with you, and he's super excited. And he says hello and sends his love. And obviously, I send my love to you and Brian and the kids. And Thank can't you. wait to to squeeze you guys in person.
0: Yes, I agree. <laughs> yep, and and yeah, I tell Steve I said hi back. And I came across a bunch of Green Ears recordings that I did when,
2: oh. I, was that,
0: when I was in that band with Steve. Yeah. Know, you know, all those years ago, I haven't listened to it a whole lot. And I was listening back and I was like, "Damn, Steve is just a monster <laughs> bass player. It was so such a fun band. So I think about him often. So yeah, yeah. make sure you tell him I said hi to you.
1: Absolutely. I will.
0: All right. Okay. So before we talk about Ethan, um, I always have uh, some questions for people I talk to. So I got some questions for you. You know, you and I have gotten to know each other a little bit, but I think, and I think we've talked about this before, but I can't remember. Are you from Phoenix?
1: I am not from Phoenix. So I actually um, was born in Pennsylvania, very northeastern Pennsylvania, but I moved to Ohio when I was six weeks old. So I say that I'm from Ohio, essentially. Right. Um, I lived there until I was 26. And then in 2006, moved out to Phoenix. And I have been out here ever since. So I'm practically a native if you count almost two decades of living out here.
0: (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah.
1: But not really because there's still a whole lifetime of things that happened before I ever got on the scene that, you know, I'm like, Oh, I wasn't here for that. So yeah, I, I am, uh, not a, a, a native, but love it as though I were.
0: Sure. Yeah. I enjoyed living in Phoenix, dude. I moved there in 2000 and, um, one thing I learned right away is most of the people I got to know were transplants. Mm-hmm. You know, there were only a, a few Phoenicians that I, that I knew Ethan being one of them, Steve.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Pi, You know, yep. well, I suppose a lot of them, Tony King. Tom yeah. yeah. I guess I did know a lot of Phoenicians, but a lot of, <laughs> yeah, a as you're
1: running down the list, you're like, wait, I know more yeah. than I thought.
0: Like, wait, all these guys are from Phoenix, but there was a ton of people who, um, were transplants so
1: yeah i remember when i got my arizona license at the dmv the guy who was giving me my license saw that i was from ohio and he was like what did you close the gate to ohio on your way out you know just kind of indicating that he had had a lot of people come from ohio recently yeah so yeah lots of transplants
0: sure and then you have your uh what do they call them snowbirds Mm -hmm. all right there's a few people i know up here that That uh spend their winters in Arizona, like retired folks that we know.
1: I hope that they're not the drivers that I run into when I'm driving (laughs) these months.
0: I remember (laughs) that's always fun. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, I remember, dude. Every winter it was like (laughs)
2: Especially when I
0: lived especially when I lived on the west side, just Sun City and all those. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Okay, so um you say you're from Ohio and you moved to Phoenix in 2006. So you've been there that time. Okay. And then um, I also know that you're a musician, you're a vocalist. Do you play any instruments?
1: You know, I don't. Um, I, I attempted guitar a few times and I just don't have the patience for it. Um, I would, I would love to sit down and really, you know, just sit down and push through. But for me, it's, it's, I just don't have the patience for it. So I always admire those who can A play guitar, B also play guitar and sing. So I'm like, hey, I want to do that. And maybe one day, maybe one day. I don't know. No. But not not today, not at this phase of my right. life. But yeah, it's it's uh just just the singing for me. Okay. And I play a mean tambourine. So oh, okay.
0: So you have some rhythm then you can keep it. She tambourine. said
1: very loosely. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> Well, as long as you can keep a beat with a tambourine, I guess it's yes. close enough.
1: But, yeah. <laughs> I think there's video proof out there somewhere. Chris Reedy might have some. We're
0: not sure. <laughs> you know, Chris Chris shared some videos with me um, for his interview. And there were yeah, a couple I that I didn't that. use.
1: I saw I, that one of the monastery. Yeah.
0: The one where Ethan made a makeshift tip, tip jar. Yep. Where, yeah. There was another one where you were you were playing a tambourine and you were keeping you were keeping time pretty good. So
1: thanks, I try, I try. Tony oh. King gave me props once, so if Tony King gives me props on my rhythm, then I'll I'll take it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that guy knows for sure. Yes. Yeah.
1: He yeah. and Chris, I'm like, okay, if I get your thumbs up and your seal of approval, I'm set.
0: Yeah. True. <laughs> right. Okay, so how old were you when you realized that you could sing and you started?
1: So to some degree, I always knew I could sing. I've had people my whole life saying, she can sing, you can sing. But I didn't really put myself out there. Um, I didn't even actually go out for any sort of choir until senior year. And it was more because it was an elective. And the choir director heard me and was like, Oh, you should, you know, do this. So my senior year, um, didn't really do much anything else with it. And I kind of fell into the whole performing aspect of things. It was complete luck. Um, I started out as a karaoke host in 2000 and early 2009. I saw an ad on Craigslist. I I said, Hey, I'd like to do this. It looks fun. I don't know if I can do it, but we'll see. So I went, uh, auditioned for the job, got the job on the spot and did that off and on for the next couple of years, met some really cool people through that. Um, And so it wasn't until I was I want to say 23, 24 that I started kind of occasionally going to some live or I'm sorry, 33, 34, um, going to some live music venues and, you know, things like that and really putting myself out there, um, get on stage with some people and some friends of mine who, you know, played out here and there, they'd call me up for a song and I'd sing here and there. And, um, that actually is what led to me forming bands getting actual performances out like I said just completely fell into it uh my buddy who I went to see at one of his shows once had me come up for a few songs the manager of the venue said hey you know we need a band next Saturday night are you available and I said I don't have a band I don't do this (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. um
1: and so I just kind of threw a band together in a week's time threw four hours of music together and You know, it worked out and from there. I got seven more gigs at that location. And then it kind of just blew up from there. So it was never really anything where I had this epiphany that, oh, this is what I want to do. And, you know, I want to be a performer. It just, it all happens through chance and, and just, you know, very lucky and, you know, having a skill set and being able to utilize that and having a really great network of friends who are willing to step in and help me out with that. So.
2: Okay,
0: cool. And what, what kind of music first piqued your interest when you were a kid and stuff? Like, what got you into?
1: When I was a kid, it was all the, you know, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Celine Dion stuff of the era, right? I didn't really branch out with my musical tastes until I got actually into performing. Um, I had specific genres that I was very focused on. I said, okay, this is my wheelhouse. I'm going to stay there. And then once I actually got to do a lot of karaoke hosting and stuff... Uh, really realized that I could do more that I liked more um so I branched out a lot into other genres um and then once I got actually performing on stages that was when I really just the whole world of what's out there in music exploded for me so started off very you know small here and just it just grew from there as I got older okay cool my musical influences definitely you know I look back at what was then and 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 I feel kind of cheated a little bit that my parents didn't you know turn me on to all these amazing musicians that I didn't find out till much later in life thinking I could have been this really cool kid with all this musical knowledge I think about Kaylee she's got all these musical influences now you know she's throwing Nirvana on her playlist she's got the Beatles you know influence at 12 years old she's you know Rocking out to Weezer on the bass guitar and learning those bass lines. I'm like, all right, that's pretty cool. She's kind of expanded across a bunch of genres. She's listening to Pink Floyd and, you know, a lot of other things too. So, wow, she's gonna be just fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. You know, I always think it's kind of cool when people discover good things later in life, though, because I would love to like forget who the Beatles are and then hear them for the first time.
2: Hmm. Yeah you know,
0: so there, there's something cool about discovering cool bands and things like that like later on in life and plus you know a lot of the musicians you've been around I'm sure that you've learned a ton you know I have kind of a got a question like that related to Ethan on down the line but
1: yeah you know, so it's not and,
0: necessarily and a bad thing that you didn't hear that stuff early on
1: and it's not to say that maybe I didn't hear it. You know, my mom would drive me to and from school um, when in my younger days and listening to the, you know, soft rock, classic rock stations, you know, here and there, you know, back in Ohio. And I remember hearing these songs so that when I got older, I'm like, oh, I remember this song from when I was, you know, eight years old. But at eight years old, you're not interested in the song. And then two decades later, you think, oh, well, this is pretty dope. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I remember the only concert I ever remember my parents going to in my younger years was uh, a Neil Diamond concert. My mom got all dressed up for Neil Diamond. Wow. And then I remember seeing, you know, my dad and my mom had a record player. I remember a Wham, you know, record being cool. in our collection and a uh, Laura Branigan, you know, all of that. So I remember these, but I never listened to that music. But yeah, now it's like, that's this is stuff on my playlist. So. Right. <laughs> but yeah, Yacht Rock's the best. Hi, Todd Miller.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> A little that,
1: plug bring his band
0: i love those videos they put on dude i wish i could go i hope to go see them live someday because they sound amazing yeah they're so, so such great guys yeah and then with jay pool and dean and dean's brother on the bass and gary oh, yeah. the drums i mean come you on you can't
1: go wrong with that lineup that's oh hard.
0: dude, no they're phenomenal yeah. <laughs> okay so i always like to start with um you know how you met Ethan. I'm gonna guess it's something through performing out and scene and stuff like that.
2: Am Talker,
1: I, right? I know you never would guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we actually met very briefly in 2016. Um, remember I had mentioned I was um kind of going out and seeing some of my friends perform at venues and just getting out of the house and very, very new to the live music scene. Um, one of my friends was playing at Good Time Charlie's in uh November of 2016 and you know I was looking for something to do so he said hey come out I'm performing with this guy acoustic duo come see us and I thought sounds like fun I'll pop in say hi have a drink go home so I show up and I had been to um you know open mic nights and a little bit of acoustic you know jams here and there at bourbon jacks and some other areas And I walk in and um, my friend at the time is on stage with Ethan, who I'd never seen, never met, knew him by first name. And I'm sitting there at a table and I'm watching. And I remember having this moment of thinking, oh, this is what live music's supposed to look like and be like. (laughs) I was so entertained. I was so in it. And he was just so engaging, Um, you know, and, and I wasn't in a position to, you know, look at him any other. I was married at the time um, to my daughter's father. So I wasn't looking at him, you know, in a romantic way. I was just remember feeling very, you know, just very focused on what he was doing and, be, and laughing. He was cracking jokes. He was changing the lyrics to the songs, as he does. Um, and I was just very entertained. And after the show, my friend introduced me to him. It was a very brief introduction. Um, and I complimented him on the show. And that was that um I left shortly after went home um you know and you you fast forward to 2018 I'm in desperate need of a fill-in bass player for one of my own gigs and I reached out to him via social media because at that point we through networking and things had become friends on Facebook I shot him a message said are you available this night and he happened to be available of you know He's always busy, always booked, but he was available for this one night only gig Wow. and he accepted the gig. So that, you know, time passed so much, you know, from 2016 to 2018 before we interacted again. Um, so we technically met in 2016, even though we didn't wind up getting together until 2018.
0: Okay. And then, so that was the first like uh, project that you guys were in together?
1: Yeah. Um, and I remember I remember being incredibly nervous. I was thinking, here's this very, you know, skilled musician. I am as green as they come. Cause even though I'd done, you know, probably a few hundred gigs at that point, I always considered myself the greenest one of anyone I perform with because I didn't have a history of a lifelong history. I didn't have any training, you know, and here I am on stage lucky enough to be performing with all of these musicians throughout the years. And I knew he was very talented, very skilled. Um so I was really nervous. I wanted to do a really good job for him. Um, he shows up and my guitar player is there. I had a fill in drummer that night. I had sent him the set list um, prior to, and I just remember feeling very nervous and also feeling like, okay, this is a very sweet guy. Very first, you know, I interacted with him. I c- came up, said, hi, you know, thanks for filling in. Appreciate it. And he's you know, he's asking me about my tattoo on my wrist. And I had just come from my daughter's dance recital, literally booked it from her dance recital to the gig. And he's like, show me pictures. And, you know, the first Uh thing he wants to do is we're setting up, he's like, show me pictures. And he's oohing and ah on. So I'm like, okay, he's just an absolute sweetheart. And as the night went on, we kept sneaking glances at each other. And, you know, the crush is developing. And at one point during the break, I caught him you know, sneaking a glance at me, and I did the whole high school thing where I look away, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was very crush, you know, I got a crush. Um, he was so respectful, though. Um, you know, never you know gave me a vibe to the point where I thought he wasn't interested. So um, it was he was very very respectful, um, and you know, at the end of the night, said our goodbyes. I said, you know, hey, give me your information, I'll sell you the money for the gig, and We went our separate ways and we really didn't see each other again for about a month after that. And that was, you know, by chance, Um, I popped into one of his gigs at the local and he was super excited to see me and it just developed from there. So yeah, a little, little breaks in time, but the crush was definitely there, even though he was incredibly respectful and made me think that I was maybe not, not his interest.
0: Right. So that very first gig that you played with them, that's when you were kind of like, hey, what's up, dude? I was like, "There's something
1: more to this guy. Yeah, he was funny. He was cracking me up. He made me feel so um, not nervous because I had a fill-in drummer who I'd never performed with before. I was always very nervous about doing a good job for the venues that hired me. You know, it's a job. You're paying me to be here. You're paying us to do a good job. Um, So I wanted it to go well. And um, he was a little newer to our set list. I was new to some of the songs he knew. So we were just piecing it together. But he, one of the things I remember is he was just a source of comfort for me throughout the evening that sat really well with me. And then of course, super handsome, super sweet, super funny, like
0: just very
1: magnetic. (laughs) Couldn't resist.
0: (laughs) Uh, I like, I like that source of comfort. Yeah, I referred to him as a security blanket before. In
1: many ways. And that, I mean, that's something for me that carried on through the entirety of our relationship. It was, you know, he was my home. Sure. He was, you know, once we got together, he was my home and vice versa. You know, we were each other's person. And so, yeah, for me, he was always where I wanted to be the most.
0: Now, I know that um, you and Chris Reedy and Ethan had a band, you know, all the all the way up until, you know, till Ethan passed away. And who who was the guitar player in that
2: band?
1: So my guitar player was Matt Ventry. He and I had actually been performing together since 2015. Um Chris came into the picture, I want to say maybe the last year, year and a half um of the band's existence. So okay. Chris wasn't always my drummer. Um I had a drummer prior to Chris who um, was also my male vocalist. He moved um, to nashville or just outside of nashville um uh with his wife and you know the rest of his family um pete avalar he's amazing he's so sweet um i call him a papa bear he's uh like a father figure to me he's amazing hi pete if you're listening but uh he moved and so i was in need of another drummer and so chris kind of stepped in um after i got through a round of some fill-in drummers and was happy to take on the gig full-time and the cohesion between the four of us was incredible. So Matt, I don't know if you know Matt, but Matt is an amazing guitar player. Um, He is, oh, he's just phenomenal. I can't say enough good things about him. Um, He's one of my favorite people to play on stage with. Um, And so between him and Ethan and Chris, there, there were times during our performances where I didn't need to sing. I would just step off stage and watch the three of them play in awe and I'm here videoing and taking pictures and I'm like you guys are you hearing what I'm hearing this is musical magic right now so um just the three of them and then you know you throw a vocalist in there too but yeah it was it was absolutely fantastic playing on stage with the three of them
0: and what was the name of that project
1: uh that was bandwagon
0: bandwagon, okay. bandwagon yeah I think I remember seeing posts about that so from yeah. that very first gig that Ethan filled in and then once you had bandwagon going with them, was there anything else in between that that you guys performed together in?
1: Um, There were some acoustic gigs here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, There were a couple of private gigs, but that was the primary project. And of course, Ethan had, you know, a number of different things he did with a number of different people. He had his own projects, but that was the only one that we primarily did together. Um, I remember our first, duo gig together. He got offered a, an acoustic duo gig for July 4th of 2018. And he just, you know, comes over to me and says, do you want to do it? i was like, yeah. And we were together at this point. And so he was so excited. He was like, baby, this is our first gig together. And he posted all about it. And of course I'm nervous because even though he's my boyfriend, I want to do a good job for the venue. I want to do a good job for him. But, and so from there, you know, we did a number of acoustic duos together as well it was just easy you know you get to show up I get to hang out with my best friend and do a gig like how can yeah. you go wrong so yeah we we didn't necessarily have a specific project but there were a number of acoustic duos that we did outside of just the full band
2: okay
0: so you refer to him as your boyfriend so he's your boyfriend at that point so was it like how did he become your boyfriend was he like will you be my girlfriend or there was so, a it's like, so more that, that? How did
1: it's so that happen? funny I was thinking about, you know, you asked me to think about, you know, some memories and stuff. And people always call me his girlfriend to him and he would yell at them. He'd be like, she's not my girlfriend. She's not my girlfriend. Because at that point, after date two, we were partners. He had made a decision. He's like, you and I, we're it. Like date two, he said, I love you. And yeah, it was, it was, it was very fast.
0: And And it was reciprocal.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It was reciprocal. I'm okay. um, two months in. He told me he was going to marry me, um, you know, five days after we had our first date, he's giving me a house key and saying, you know, <laughs> I'm on your way home from work and you can come sleep here anytime. Cause I lived in Queen Creek and worked in North Scottsdale at that point. Ooh. So, you uh-huh. know, he's giving me a house key. And so he would tell people, she's not my girlfriend because he, he meant it as she's my partner. She's my life partner, you know, at this oh, point. Sure. So We were, you know, he was my boyfriend, but he was my life partner. You know, I knew, you know, this is, this is my person. So that was, you know, yes, he was my boyfriend, but it was much more than that already at that point.
0: So how did he ask you out for your first date? I mean, how did that, (laughs) how'd that come to be?
1: Oh, the story is so sweet. It's so, it, and it's so funny because, um, remember I had said about a month after the gig, I went and saw him at one of his own gigs. So the next day he was performing a daytime gig at uh, Jolie's place. And so I went and I met up with a friend of mine and, you know, the gig ended, I want to say around like seven o'clock, eight o'clock. And so there's a little bit more flirtation between he and I at this point at the gig. And it's very clear there's an attraction there. And, you know, I told him before I left the gig, well, call me if you want to ever hang out sometime, you know, just putting it right out there. And so he called me as I'm pulling into the parking lot of my apartment at the time. um, He had just gotten home and basically said, hey, you told me to call you. (laughs) And he said, well, you know, what are you doing? I said, oh, I just um, I just pulled into the parking lot of my apartment. And he said, "Okay, hold up, go inside, get settled, get in your pajamas and then call me back. He didn't want to interrupt my time. And for me, That was big. i was like, whoa, you're respecting my time. You're respecting my, you know, I didn't have boundaries with that regard, but I was happy to talk to him, but I was like, oh, this is awesome. So at this point, it's like, you know, nine o'clock at night. Um, So I go inside and I call him back after I get settled and we're talking maybe a couple of minutes and he says, hold on, I forgot to ask you something. So what's that? He goes, how was your day today? And ladies you know when you're asked you know how 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 your day is It's like oh my god so um he took an interest and he said you know how was your day today and I was like my day was fantastic thank you so much for asking um and and we just had this great conversation for an hour and then eventually the conversation led to talking about hanging out and it's a Saturday night and I said well what are you doing now and he's like well nothing I said yeah, I'll bring a bottle of wine. You order a pizza. Let's hang out. Let's 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 talk. And he's like, okay, well, you live 30 minutes away from me if you're willing to make the drive. And I did. So I drove from Queen Creek to Tempe, showed up at his house at 1030. He had pizza. I had a bottle of wine, which we never actually even opened because we sat and talked until six in the morning getting to know each other. Wow. Barely touched the pizza. Literally just chatted for hours, and the only reason that I left was because I had to take my son to work the next morning. But we had stayed up all night talking, so that was technically our first date. Okay. But before I left, he said, Um, he's like, well, Can I take you on a date tonight? And I was absolutely, you know, at this point, I want to keep it going and keep talking. He said, We'll go home, take a really long nap, and I'll call you around three o'clock. And then he called me, and we went out on a date that night, and we were. Inseparable ever since. So wow. the conversation about, you know, being together basically happened on night two. And it was just an understanding of you want this? I want this. We're not messing around. We're not wasting time. Like, yeah, I'm feeling what you're feeling and 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 this is it.
0: Wow, dude, what an awesome story. That is so cool. What a sweet. I probably
1: left out a number of details. I'm definitely sure. giving the readers digest version, but some of that I keep to myself, you know. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, he it was just it was it it was like we just both knew. You know, we both knew that this was it. This was what we wanted and there was no no going back.
0: Wow, I feel like I just watched a cool movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh the first time you guys talked, it just it just happened. You knew it, he knew it and that was it. So, how was- much time went by before he popped the big question? And how did he do it?
1: So here's a really funny story. So about two months in, just in conversation one night, I um, he, he's like, you know, I'm going to marry you one day, right? And I Yeah, I know. You know, I'm not worried about it. It was one of those things where we didn't need it. We didn't need to be married. We know we wanted it, but there was just no rush. You know, we
0: right.
1: just didn't, um, didn't, didn't worry about it we talked about it so much. And then about 11 months in, um, <laughs> it was the Thursday before Memorial Day weekend. Uh, he was playing a gig with Todd Miller, and it was right by where I worked. So I'd been thinking, you know, all day. And I went over there after work, uh, met him at his gig, and he's sitting at the bar, and I walk up to him, and I grab a seat, grab my water, and I turn to him, and I was like, do you want to go get married this weekend? So he actually didn't technically proposed to me um and he looks at me and he says yeah maybe let's talk about it after the gig um because it had already been a topic of conversation and you know he was he was just very protective of me which was a lot of the reason that it just hadn't happened yet um so we went home that night and we talked about it kind of worked out the logistics and kind of decided after his gig on saturday we were gonna drive out to vegas and elope so <laughs> it was a very whirlwind decision. We didn't even tell his parents until after the wedding and we called them from the lobby of the Luxor and called them and told them what we'd done. So it was a it was a very logistically, you know, planned with, you know, hey, well, we got to get a marriage certificate, how much is a hotel, and can we do this? Can we make this work? We figured it out. Timing and everything worked and so we had about a 48-hour engagement before we got married.
0: <laughs> wow. I didn't know that story.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I realized you
1: guys got married in Vegas. We did. Our our official wedding was in Vegas, and then we had what we like to call our fake wedding six months later For because he was very insistent that my kids be at the wedding. And so he's like, I want to do something for them. I want to do something for our family. So we hosted um, a fake wedding, even though everybody knew that we were married at that point, um, at our house about six months after we actually got married.
0: Okay, so... My follow up question to that was going to be like why did you agree to marry him but you mentioned earlier that that you felt very safe with him and that was something that that helped you to make that decision but i mean can you pinpoint any particular reason why it just felt natural or why you agreed to do it
1: there's no there's no one reason you know one of the things I, I've, I will say this. I had never in my life been loved the way he loved me, um, ever. And, you know, I say that after having two marriages prior to him, I had never felt in either of those two marriages that I had been married to my best friend. And here I am, you know, hanging out with my best friend every day. Um, you know, I, oftentimes people will talk about, you know, oh my gosh, what a great guy he is. And he was, he was so amazing. He was so amazing. And I agree. And then I tell them, yeah, if you think that's amazing, imagine what it's like to be married to him. Imagine what it's like to be his person. So if he treats everybody else the way he treated them with kindness and with love, I was getting that tenfold, you know, and I just, I had never been loved as incredibly as he loved me. And that in and of itself is obviously, you know, something that every woman wants, but, you know, he's, he was kind, you know, that's what one of the things I looked at him and I was like, he's nice to everybody. And I'm, I'm happy all the time. And I laugh and we don't fight and we have the same goals. And he loves my daughter. He would tell everybody, I have a little girl now and I'm a dad. And, you know, and he wanted to be a dad and he wanted kids. And so, for me, just it, it wasn't any one thing. It was just my body and my soul and my heart and my mind just knew. I i, I couldn't ever pinpoint a, a moment where I'm like, oh, that's that's why or this is the reason or this is the moment. It was just my every inch of me knew just, yes, this is this is the man that I want to be with.
0: Wow, that's really cool. No, so. I mean, when you say that he loved you in a way that you'd never been loved before, I mean, what are some examples, like, what would he do to show you how special <laughs> you were or how much he loved you? I mean, do you remember any specific examples of little things? He
1: did? <laughs> I'm laughing because I do remember, you know, he was so adamant about me getting good sleep at that point in my life. I was not a good sleeper. Um I was a restless sleeper. I didn't get much sleep. I would fully function on four, maybe five hours of sleep a night. And he just was like, that's not healthy for you. So he was very cautious about waking me up when I fell asleep uh, or not waking me up. Um, About two or three months into our relationship, he was having a night where he couldn't sleep and I had fallen asleep. But he woke me up in the middle of the night because in his inability to sleep, he decided to write me a song. And so he wrote a song about me and it, it, and and I, I have it somewhere on paper because I found it um, actually after he passed away, I found he had written it down. Um, So I have it saved, but it encompassed a lot of funny parts of our relationship and, you know, inside jokes that we had. And he was like, he woke me up. He said, baby, baby, I wrote you a song. You got to listen to this. And literally in the middle of the night, he couldn't sleep. And he got up in about 45 minutes, wrote me a song and wanted me to hear it. Um, You know, I I don't know anybody that can say that that's happened to them. So that was very endearing. Um, he, he would leave me the sweetest voicemails. He would, you know, I, I would cook a meal and he might've had that same meal a dozen times in his life, but he would tell me it's the best meal he'd ever eaten. You know, and I might've cooked it 10 times before and it's the best meal that he'd ever eaten. Um, the way he made me feel about myself was new to me. Um, there was a lot of times in my life prior to him where I I was missing that self-confidence and he brought that out in me. Um, you know, it, it, he would say things, you know, I had a habit of apologizing for everything and, you know, even the most minor things. And he'd look at me and he said, no, sorrys, no, sorrys." you know, just making me feel at ease. And, you know, I'd come home and I might've rearranged some furniture or painted a wall in a room and he just, baby this house is amazing so again it wasn't just one little thing it was so many different things that encompassed who he was and he he would be gone to the store for you know 15 30 minutes and come back and look at me and talk to me like he'd been gone for three weeks and I was just the most exciting thing in his world and one of my favorite things um You know, we were only together for two and a half years, but we probably had a decade's worth of conversation in that time. And he would tell me these stories. We would come home from gigs and just sit out on our back patio and listen to music in the background and talk for a few more hours before going to bed and just talking. You know, we spent so much time talking, you know, for two musicians who love music, who listen to music when we would go on drives and road trips together and to and from gigs. We never turned the radio on. We would always just talk to each other and learn about each other so I think for me one of my favorite favorite things about him was just I I, I talked and we talked and we shared and we learned and we spent so much time learning about each other in just that very short time that we were together that you know I can't pinpoint one specific thing because it was just everything it was everything about him um he had this ability to make someone who walked in the room Five minutes prior make feel make them feel like they were the center of the world and so again you know I say if, if you know if you knew him you knew he had the ability to do that so just imagine what it was what it was like to be married to him <laughs> you know so yeah. how lucky am I that that I got to experience that I think for me everyone deserves to experience an Ethan type love in their lifetime
0: I remember one time when you and I were talking a while back There was something you told me something about how like when you'd you'd be taking a shower and he would come in and like do something (laughs) with the light like what what was that?
1: He would flicker the light so the light switch was on the outside of the of the of the bathroom door, and he would flicker the light switch on and off while I was in the shower. And at first it started out as a joke, and then it became his way to tell me that he loves me while he's in the while I'm in the shower. So, you know, doors closed. I'm in the shower, you know, doing my thing, whatever. And all of a sudden the lights flicker on and all he hears is my laughter. And then I would just shout back. I love you too. So you know, he's flickering the lights on and off, not saying a word. That's his way of saying I love you. And, you know, I shout back. I love you too. And so, yeah, it was a very sweet moment that he would do quite often. Pretty much anytime he heard me start the shower, even if he was in the other room, he'd wait until I got in. Yeah. And then about a minute or two later, he'd run into the bathroom and flicker the lights on and off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't forget about these things. It's just, you know, they're not at the forefront of my memory. So when they're talked about, I just, it brings me so much joy to think about those moments. Cause again, that's just one of the many, many ways he loved me.
0: Oh, that's amazing. You know, um, after we're done with this, I'm going to come back with a paper and pencil <laughs> right So He's, <laughs> <laughs> And any other guys listening, you should take notes, man. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm telling you, and and I, you know, I remember saying this after he passed about him, but I mean it to my core. He could, he could write a book on how to love someone properly. He really could, you know, he, he could teach a college course, <laughs> you know, on it. And it, it amazed me because it's like every day he found a new way to show me how much he cared. And I know that, you know, if he hadn't passed and, you know, obviously we were, we were still together, it would have just kept going, you know, every day, just finding new ways to show love and appreciation. So for me, it was just this daily thrill of, you know, I'm Ethan's wife and this is my husband and this is my favorite person in the world. And we just, we had fun. We had so much fun together.
0: Wow. What a special, special thing to have in your life, dude. That's so cool.
1: Yeah, I, I I truly mean it when I say that everybody deserves to have an Ethan type love in their life. How gr- how much better this world would be.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. What about pet names? Did you guys have pet names for each other?
1: Um, he just you know he called me baby all the time. Okay. Um, you know we we talk about pet names. I didn't necessarily have one for him outside of you know just babe baby. I think about Kaylee at the time, you know, she was young. She was seven when she met him um, and she would jokingly, she obviously could say Ethan, but she called him Ethane because they would joke around with each, each other. And so it was to, to her, he was Ethan. Um, it was her um, little cute name for him and, uh, you know all that, so she had a little cute name nickname for him. But yeah, as far as pet themes for each other, we were we were pretty, pretty, pretty common with that, babe, baby, honey, sweetheart. Um, you know, all the all the fun terms of endearment. Some people probably think they're hokey, but for us, it was just hey, another way to show our love.
0: Sure. And um, you know, because Ethan was so gregarious and and charismatic and all that. Like when you guys are playing shows, would you ever have to like stop girls from coming up and flirting with them too much or anything like that?
2: Do you have a jealous streak
0: or?
1: (laughs) I'm like diving off the stage, saying "Back off, ladies! (laughs) he's fine." No, he. I mean, he he never made me doubt his loyalty for sure. Sure. He was one of things that. I, I loved about him. he was proud to show me off. and so if there was any inkling of anyone flirting with him, the first thing he would do is say, This is my wife or you know, this is my lady. you know, however he wanted to introduce me he would make it very well known um he was happy to show off his wedding ring um so for me, there was never any concern with that and it was almost um it was almost cute <laughs> you know where it's it's like, you know, that's fine, you know, I'm as right here or we're each other's right home. so you know it's I'm not worried but yeah he never made me question his loyalty and he was so incredibly proud to show me off all the time and you know put me at the forefront of everything when it really I'm like no he's the one that should shine with things but yeah he was just amazing in every aspect when it came to that.
0: Yeah I know that when you guys met um she got a hold of all of us. <laughs> girl and she's beautiful and <laughs> Uh, or like I forget how did he say it to me I remember he called yeah because earlier you were saying that like he wouldn't refer to you as his girlfriend you know right
2: you know, like, <laughs> right
0: so he would call and say yeah I met my my part my partner or my like you put it in a way where it was like there was no doubt that like this is his Ethan's girl now you know don't yeah you know, he called and he was so proud, and we were talking, and he couldn't wait. And he was spitting off all these things about
2: you—things,
0: and, she <laughs> and she's hot, and she's cool, and and she she's gave high.
1: more credit than I deserve. Trust me, trust <laughs> me. No, and and it's so funny. Like I, um, it's it's funny that you mentioned that his birthday. Um, rolled around a few weeks after we got together. And so, you know, he had a gig on his actual birthday up north at Blue Martini. And he said, you know, babe, come up after work. And, you know, my mom's going to be there. And I hadn't met his mom at that point. And so many people are going to be there. So, of course, I'm walking into just a room full of people to, that want to meet me because he's told them all about me. And I am nervous as all get out. So I already know this is going to happen. And so, um, you know, he's he's out. You know, playing and everything and as I'm walking up he sees me and shouts to the entire room oh good my birthday present is here (laughs) (laughs) and it was the sweetest thing but of course then the entire room looks at me and I'm like I could kill you right now everybody's looking at me I'm so nervous Um, but yeah I mean he just he was always just so vocal about his love for me which again I mean while I don't necessarily think it's deserving because I'm, you know, trying to stay humble. But I, I I, do make an effort to really see myself the way he saw me. And that's one of the ways that I feel like I can honor him. Um, one of the many ways I think I can honor him is to really see myself the way he saw me and to love myself the way that he loved me, because he did it full force, so wholeheartedly, and just, you know, never held back any part of him.
0: You know um you talking about um going to that to his birthday celebration and a room full of people wanting to meet you i mean as you got to know ethan i mean were you just amazed at the amount of people that he knew
1: i was amazed even after he passed i knew i knew the scope but it never really hit me until after he passed and i posted a lot of things on facebook about him and his passing and the reactions um, and the comments and the outreach that I got from people that I didn't expect to get, you know, from. So the, the how widespread everything was with, you know, how it impacted everyone, even after he passed, um, that I think when it truly hit me, but every time I walked in somewhere, you know, people were like, oh, you know, Ethan, Ethan, Ethan. And it just, so there was definitely a, you know, a realization. Over the, you know, short time that we were together, but it really, truly hit me, you know, full force after he passed and I saw just how many people were impacted by it. It's like, wow. I think he would even be humbled and almost knowing him a little embarrassed by um, how far it was. You know, one of the things that I I've said to Jay Allen, and I said to, you know, his mom, Kathleen, I've said, you know, he would he was you know, he was humble he'd be the first person, you know, you pay him a compliment, he's going to give you three right back, you know, or say, well, yeah, you think I'm great. You should see this guy over here. You know, he, he wasn't the person that wanted the attention. Um, He would definitely be humbled and almost a little bit embarrassed by, you know, the articles that were written and the recognition that he got, you know, with, with everything in regards to that. So for me, I always knew his, his, how far his reach spread to a degree, but it really, that realization wasn't really there until after he had passed away.
0: And I mean, was he constantly introducing you to people? Oh,
2: <laughs> <it> all- always.
1: <laughs> people knew me because he was showing my picture off left and right. But I was, you know, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm so sorry, babe, if I don't remember a friend's name and I have to have you jog a memory. He's like, nope, I know that you're meeting people literally knew every gig. You know, there's always somebody new to meet. So for me and 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 I apologize to anybody out there who you know if if I've forgotten your names and interacting, um but yeah, he I felt like I was definitely meeting a new person every time we went somewhere. We would go to restaurants and people knew him because you know maybe he was a regular as folks or you know somewhere else, and you know they knew him, and um yeah, so it was it was always always a new person to meet for
0: sure, I can imagine. I can't imagine. <laughs> I know. Yeah, his his scope just was so wide.
1: And what's interesting to me, too, is there's a lot of times people, he didn't necessarily know people, but people knew him. And so after he passed, I did have some people reach out to me like, hey, I didn't know your husband, but I saw him at a gig once. And he really sure. impacted me, you know, and, and that to me speaks volumes to who he was as a person and a musician because you know he didn't interact with these people maybe but one or two times but maybe they saw him in passing at a gig and they loved a set that he played and for them to really you know take the time to reach out to me and say your husband really impacted me or he was so kind to me at this gig or I was having a really bad day and I didn't know him but I walked into this gig and I had a frown and by the end of the gig I was cracking up and you know, he just had this ability and and that's the thing. If you were the person at the gig having a bad day, he would find you and he would make sure that by the time you left that gig, that you're having a good day or at least a better day than you did when you walked in.
2: Sure. Um,
1: yeah. You know, so for me, it's it, it, even to this day, you know, almost coming up on three years after, you know, losing him, I'm still constantly amazed at the reach and how far it went. I'm still meeting people who are like, Oh, you're you're Ethan's wife. I I knew him or, you know, all of this. So, yeah.
0: You know, one thing I've always been curious about, um, you know, the fact that, that you're a vocalist and I'm sure I I know for a fact that Ethan was super stoked that he had a singer with him. you know, (laughs) when you guys were hanging out at home, would you ever just jam just the two of you?
1: very rarely to be, to be honest, you know, there were times we'd come home from gigs and he'd want to try something out because maybe yeah. we talked about a song on the way home. And so he'd pick up his Martin and, you know, he'd start playing and, you know, say, well, just try it, just try it. And so we would try certain things. Um, we wouldn't really do much. We, you know, we hosted a couple of jams at the house from time to time, but on our own, we spent a majority of our time, you know, we would watch movies or we would talk and you know sit on the back patio or we go across the street to our neighbor's house and hang out in their pool um when we weren't gigging we were just kind of living we were living and enjoying each other's company and didn't really surround it so much with the musical aspect of things um I do remember um, at one point, you know, in our relationship, it was still fairly new, but I was singing in the shower and I got out of the shower and he was like, it's so nice to hear, you know, singing in this house again. And so he did make a comment about that. So I made a point to, you know, sing more frequently if I was cooking or cleaning or, you know, in the shower from time to time. But outside of that, yeah, if we weren't at a gig, we didn't spend too much time together working on stuff. He might work on stuff with his base, um from time to time, but Yeah, we didn't do too much of that on our own.
0: Okay. What did it look like, Ethan, just chilling at home? Like, what was his favorite thing to do when he was just relaxing or decompressing or whatever?
1: Depends on if we had Kaylee with us or not.
0: (laughs) So if we had Kaylee with us, um, we had a
1: giant inflatable pool during the summertime that we would fill up and put on our back patio. And during the daytime, he would bring a little radio with a CD player out there. Um Beatles CDs, um, Tom Petty, pop those in and he and Kaylee would sit in the pool for literally hours, popsicles uh, <laughs> and play. And a lot of times that's because I had to work or, you know, and he didn't have a gig. So, of course, he's he's dadding and he's, you know, doing the thing and, and hanging out. They were two peas in a pod. Um, Or if it was, you know, the evening, we'd be sitting on the couch with Kaylee and we would watch. All these episodes of The Simpsons—that was their little bonding show. It was The Simpsons all the time, and she to this day loves The Simpsons because of him. Um, you know, if it was us, we might go out to eat, or we might just sit on the couch and you know watch movies, make a meal, um, and and really just spend time. Sometimes we'd sit on the back patio and read, and sit in silence, and occasionally you know talk, but we would spend time reading and just enjoying being around each other more than anything um going out to eat from time to time but you know obviously once COVID hit we did a lot of ordering in so that (laughs) upped our movie watching game quite a bit yeah so we, we got a lot of movies under our belt during COVID for sure but yeah we just we hung out you know we just it there was never really anything big we took a couple of trips here and there but outside of that it was just you know getting to hang at home we were we were homebodies a lot of the time and just chilling
0: cool so you know did would you ever go out to ethan's gigs i mean aside from the time that you guys were jamming together would you do that
1: all the time all the time and,
0: okay so what was your favorite project to see him play in or like what was your favorite <laughs> environment to watch him perform in?
1: Wow, well, it's so hard to pinpoint because he did so many in so many different aspects you know he had his regular gigs he would do uh you know good time charlies or jolie's place um he had some he had a gig up north um with todd um I want to say it was on Thursday nights with Todd Miller and I don't think the place is in business anymore, but that was a really cool gig. The venue was really cool. Food was really great. They always treated me really well. You know, service was amazing. Um, That was an amazing gig watching him and Todd Miller perform together was something, you know, I just, the, the cohesiveness of their vocals and, and, no disparagement to anybody else that obviously he performed with, because to me it was all amazing. But I think for me, one of the things about watching the two of them was just the blend of their their vocals. Um, they just read each other so well. So I would probably say watching Ethan perform with Todd in any aspect was one of my favorite
0: things to do. Okay. Did you see him perform with a lot of bands?
1: I, I saw him perform with a couple of them, yeah. I mean, he did the Wildflowers shows, uh, the oh, tributes sure. to Tom Petty. I did not get to see um, the uh, him reunite with Delcoa, unfortunately. I actually had a gig myself that night. So when he did that early on in our relationship, I unfortunately missed that. Um, you know, he did a couple other things. He did a jazz festival, and he would get hired out to, you know, just kind of these one-offs. But, yeah, I, I, I saw him in quite a few performances over the years that we were together um but yeah not uh nothing major it was all a lot of his regular stuff so I'd probably say you know 10 or so things outside of his regular gigs
0: okay so Todd so the Todd and Ethan kind of acoustic duo Mm -hmm. favorite and what was it about watching him like what was your favorite thing about watching him perform
1: about watching Ethan perform yeah the charisma in that man like you can't match that it like I, I I haven't hadn't seen anybody before and I hadn't haven't seen anybody since um he had the ability to take a song that you've heard hundreds of times before and make it seem like you heard it for the first time um nothing he did was boring musically not one thing. And, you know, you're laughing in the middle of songs. And, you know, one of the things I, I I found myself doing quite often is I'd be in the middle of a conversation with someone and he's playing a gig in the background and I'm socializing and I catch something, a lyric that he changed or shifted in the in the song out, outside of, you know, in, in my ear. And all of a sudden I'm just like cracking up. It changes the whole thing. And, you know, whoever I'm talking to maybe didn't catch it, but I'd be like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, nothing or he would, he would shift lyrics quite frequently, and that was one of my favorite things. Um, we have a song. Um, it's I've Just Seen a Face by the Beatles. That became our song kind of randomly because he started playing it every time I would walk into a gig. So if he's, you know, started a gig already and I walk in, you know, maybe one set in because I'm coming from work or whatever, Um within the first five minutes of me being there, he would play that song and that became our song. So I think anytime I hear that song, but that became one of my favorite things about him playing. He would always throw it in in a set list somewhere. Um, but he just, he had this amazing ability to just make music better in everything that he did, whether it was lyrically, um, you know, or changing up the bass line, or, you know, his interaction with people he just had this innate ability to make music better and more entertaining
0: i agree Yep. <laughs> that that parrots a lot of what people have told me you know that i've talked to yeah. like, a couple years for sure
1: he's, he's made me hear music differently since um I, and i know that you've you've talked about touching on this too but as a performer you know and i've mentioned it i I am very green compared to a lot of the people that I've met over the years. And I consider myself very fortunate to even be able to know the people that I know that are these amazing musicians and this amazing talent, let alone perform with some of them. So for me, you know, the confidence is much, much lower than a lot of people that have been doing this for decades. But he changed that, you know, it was just always better with him on stage with me. It was it was better. I was comfortable. I was more confident, um, just at ease. And, you know, I got a little risky and daring with things that maybe I wouldn't try before, and switching up lyrics and, you know, trying out songs. I remember specifically there was um this gentleman in an acoustic gig um that Ethan and I were doing together that, you know, I sung a handful of songs. The the more recent of the I just ended, you know, Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton this guy in the audience shouts out, he wants to hear um, With or Without You by You 2 And so Ethan turns to me he says, yeah, she can do it. And the guy points at Ethan, and he goes, no, you do it. That's a dude song, not a chick song. And <laughs> Ethan says to the guy, he goes, did you not just hear her sing the Chris Stapleton song or the Dwight Yoakam song before that or the Tom Petty song before that? Like, can she not do it? So, you know, in this moment of courage, I belted out "You 2s with or without you. But that was something that pre-Ethan, I never would have been able to really have the courage to do because my confidence might have said, maybe he's right. Maybe this guy has something here. So he just, he made it better. He just made everything better when it came to music, whether it's you're listening to it, whether you're performing with him, he just had this amazing ability to improve on it.
0: Yeah. And you're right. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, what kind of influence you had on your on you as a musician and also as life in general. But I think, you know, I feel like as we continue to talk, you're kind of answering that as we go along, you know.
1: I want you to be able to ask questions. I'm sorry, I'm just answering
0: them. <laughs> no, it's OK. No, I think it's great because there's so many. I mean, how can you quantify that into one quick answer? Yeah.
1: We could talk for days and I, I wouldn't be done right. talking about him and his influence
0: on me. Yeah. And I get that feeling with a lot of people that I ask, I mean, you know, almost any question I ask someone about Ethan, it's, it's heavy because there's just so many examples or so many, you know, uh, situations where he influenced someone, you know, whether it was to have more confidence in their life or to, you know, find themselves in a better relationship that they deserve to be in or, you know, go ahead and write the songs that are in your head because they're awesome. And even if they're not awesome, there's, you should still do it because, you know, you're awesome. You know, there's just so many different examples of what kind of influence he had on people, but I can't even imagine, you know, for the relationship that you guys had. And I mean, it sounds like right out of the gate, you were just, and just being, you know, being inseparable and watching him as an example of how to live and how he loved you. And, you know, I, and I, I like to ask people too, what they, what they noticed about how Ethan treated people, but I almost feel like almost every answer is the same, you know, but, um I mean, have you, have you heard enough episodes where, you know, it was always with kindness. You always made it. I mean, yeah. you, if, those, if there's anything you could add to that, to that question. I mean, that curious about.
1: You know, it's, not trying to sound repetitive
0: obviously sure.
1: but yeah I mean his kindness was one of the things that attracted me to him um just watching how he treated other people and I was asking actually I was asking Kaylee today you know what are some of the things we took a walk after I picked her up from school and we're just talking and I said what are some things you remember about him you know what do you what 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 do you remember and she said I remember when we would go for drives and we would be stopped at an intersection and he would lean out the window and give, you know, homeless people money or if he had a bottle of water he would carry coolers around with bottles of water and in the summertime, you know, can't people, you know, on the streets, you know, water as we're driving by and things like that. And you you can't you can't capture the level of kindness that he has with one or two things, you know, the the level of just how big his heart was you know, and it, it's, it's impossible to really measure that. So I think for me, rather than say, you know, it's it rather than kind of quantify it with one or two things, you know, my goal is to live my life in a way that if you didn't know him personally, then maybe you can get a glimpse of who he was through how I'm living my life. So I'm trying to emulate how he is or how he, you know, how he, lived his life. And I obviously can never measure up to his amazing kindness, but if you know me, then I want you to be able to know him and who he was, if you never had the honor of meeting him. And so with that, you know, with what I do, you know, trying to be kind and trying to be courteous and, you know, just being considerate and aware of others, you know, we would go to Walgreens and he would ask the cashier, how's your day today? You know, and she's like, who is this guy, you know, randomly asking. So I think it, it, extends past kindness into just being aware and considerate of others Mm -hmm. Um, and just that there's people outside of our little bubble. And I think that's what a lot of times people tend to forget is, you know, we put these blinders on and, you know, we have our work and we have our life and we have our spouses and our kids and our, you know, all of that. But Ethan saw past that. He saw everyone. And so I think for me, it's, you know, that's included in the kindness, but it's he saw everyone. And he, he acknowledged everyone. And I think if more people did that and just were more aware of the people around them and that everybody's just trying to get through this crazy crappy world together, you know, he was definitely aware of it. And I think if more people had that same awareness, right. then, you know, we'd be we'd be in a different place right now.
0: Amen. Yeah, I agree with you, dude. I don't
1: know if that fully answered the question. I feel like it kind no. of tangent it a little
0: bit Oh, well, you did no i mean you added a, another layer to it and one i mean one that you know through your perspective because you were so close to him and spent so much time with him i think you added to it for sure you know and it's beautiful it's beautiful the way that you that you phrase it you know that he saw saw people and didn't have those blinders on you know yeah
1: that, he really did he really did he saw he saw very deep into people without even them realizing it, you know, and it and saw parts of people that they don't even think half the time they knew existed. And that was, I mean, that was definite. He had many talents, but that was one of them for sure.
0: sure. And that is a good lesson for people. You know? Yeah. Good example. So you brought um, Kaylee up. Yes. So let's talk about Kaylee and Ethan's relationship a little bit.
1: Oh, that was something, that was something magical.
0: Yeah. I'd love to know more about it.
1: That was incredible. Um, They were like two peas in a pod. Um, You know, he wanted to meet her from the second I talked about her. Um, He thought she was the greatest thing since sliced bread and he hadn't even met her yet and wanted to hear all about her. He was so nervous to meet her the first time and we had been dating about three weeks before I introduced them and she was shy at first, which was not like her. And then about five minutes after meeting him, she was like, Okay, we're besties. So <laughs> and and they were inseparable after that. You know, she always wanted to be around him. She always wanted to do stuff with him. She was excited to see him. Yes. Um, you know, she always wanted to, you know, snuggle with him on the couch, or, you know, I'd get up in the mornings and, you know, she would want to, you know, lay in bed and, you know, read with him or there was just there was so many aspects to their relationship that you would have thought that they were biologically related for how close that they were and she just she was gifted that relationship with him and that is something that was absolutely life-changing for her and it was life-changing for both of them but um you know he always wanted to be a dad and he you know it, I have a son as well, but he's much older. And so when they met, you know, my son loved him, of course. But the the bond that developed between the two of them is manly and a little bit different than, you know, and it's that of a okay. seven, eight year old. And so, um, you know, the t- Kaylee and Ethan's relationship was always just something, nothing short of magical, to be honest.
0: <laughs> what was that first um, meeting like? Do you remember any details about it?
1: Yeah, we met at Tempe Marketplace. Um, and uh he went, he suggested they had a little splash pad there. And so we took her to the splash pad and she got to run around in the water and made a friend. And, you know, we went to California Pizza Kitchen and and had lunch and she wanted to sit by him. So that was my first indication, like, okay, hey, this is going well. So I'm sitting across the table and I actually have two pictures from that first meeting there and they're sitting across the table and coloring with each other on their little placemats that they give out at California Pizza Kitchen. And, and the other picture I have is the two of them making this like face with their tongue sticking out, it, you know. <laughs> it's just the
2: <it's
1: laughs> cutest thing. And and that was when I knew it was going to be okay. It was going to be all right. Um and you know after that we went into uh a, a little Claire's jewelry store. They had little you know, trinkets and things like that. And he bought her a mood necklace with the letter K and she still has that necklace to this day. She loves it. She wears it from time to time and that's her Ethan necklace from the first time that they met. She's, she's always loved that little necklace. So yeah, it was uh it was a pretty normal meeting, but I mean, they were, like I said, they were besties from, from the get go. They they've always been like two peas in a pod. Um, he always treated her as though she was biologically his and he loved her, never ever let her doubt his love for her. Um, wow. he, he was absolutely fantastic.
0: How old was she when she met him?
1: Ah, uh, she was seven. I want to say she was seven. Yeah. maybe six. I gotta I gotta do the math, right? She either was turning seven. Yeah, so she was she she was six when she met him, and she turned seven when we were together. So yeah, six. Sorry, <laughs> I should okay. I should remember that.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned uh, earlier you said they like to hang out in the pool together, but what were some of the other things that there were their favorite things to do together?
1: They would. So she, he he bought her a bike for Christmas, um, our first Christmas together, and he put it together and he would sit out in our driveway and watch her just ride up and down the street while I was at work you know he's like hey I'm not going to ride a bike but I'm going to sit with Lucy out in the front yard and watch you ride a bike and I'll read and you know she's doing her thing going up and down the street so they definitely love to do that um I know I mentioned the Simpsons too they did they did that a lot um he would give her his guitar and she'd had no clue how to play it and she didn't have the patience to learn. So she would just kind of strum and hit the strings and he would take his other guitar or take a bass and play along with it. And he would make up lyrics or he would play. I have a couple of cute videos on my other phone where he would play songs and she would take the tambourine and just make up lyrics and sing and shake the tambourine while he played, you know, a little tune, which was cute. <laughs> there was one, she wrote a song about the moon. Um that was really cute. I have that on video. I'll have to I'll have to send you that sometime. But she wrote a song about the moon. She had the tambourine. He's sitting on the couch and strumming along to his guitar and she's just making up kind of really cool lyrics. <laughs> her, I think she was 7 at the time. I was like, that's pretty dope lyrics for a 7-year-old. So, they just had fun, you know. She was you know, she respected him like a parental unit, but at the same time they were buddies. You know, they they played together and they just they just had so much fun together.
0: And did he turn her on to like, was he like teaching her about music, certain bands or turning her on to music, getting her interested in music?
1: She knows about the Beatles and Tom Petty because of him. Like, I cannot take credit for her musical tastes in those genres. Um, There's a couple other groups as well that she knows about because of him. But those, you know, every time she hears Tom Petty now, every time she hears the Beatles, she'll turn to me and say, Ethan. You know, it, it's those songs. She'll be like, Ethan's with us, Ethan, Ethan. So, yeah, there's there's definitely been a musical influence there from him to her,
0: 100%. And what about Ethan's influence on her? Like, what kind of things do you think she learned from him?
1: Oh, man. <laughs> where do I begin and where do I end? Um, you know, so she's... I, we were talking earlier. She's learning the bass guitar right now. Right. Um, You had mentioned you know, Ethan would re- be really proud. And that's actually, that was a topic of conversation in the car today on the way to school. You know, I said, I told her, it was like, Ethan would love this. And she you know, grins ear to ear. Um, you know, there's, there's so many characteristics that she has, her integrity and her maturity for 12 years old and just her awareness of things. She's been through a lot, you know, losing him really impacted her in a lot of ways that I don't think a lot of people can understand. Um, no child should have to go through losing a parent or a step-parent or anyone at that age, but the bond that they had, you know, she was just given this gift and then it was stripped away so quickly. So for her to be able to look at things now from a joyful perspective, rather than with sadness, that's been a huge shift over the last year um, where we've really done a lot of work and I've seen that growth in her where she's now able to look at the memories that he gave her and the things that she's taken away as far as lessons from him not with sadness but more with a oh I learned that from Ethan or you know oh Ethan's with me with this or I am doing this and Ethan would be really proud of me so you know, there's there's a lot of things, you know, she's got such integrity, but she stands up for herself and she has boundaries. And these are things where he would tell her, you know, you need to be strong and you need you, know, you need to be independent, and you know, assertive. And she was so young when he passed that I think there's a lot that she might not realize came from him. Mm-hmm. But I think as she gets older, she's going to realize like, oh, that was an Ethan characteristic. I am probably incorporating that into me as well. So, and, and again, you know, me just kind of helping to instill that and pull that from him to her and remind her of these great characteristics that, you know, embodied who he was, you know, trying to instill those in her, you know, give her the best parts of him. I think that will go a long way into kind of developing her as she gets older too.
2: Sure. Yeah,
0: of course. Does she ever share any memories that she has with Ethan with you?
1: She does. We were just talking about it, too, when we were taking our walk earlier. <laughs> so her favorite memory of him. Uh-huh. Um. She was eight years old. She didn't know how to play chess. Had no idea. And she kept bugging him, like, teach me how to play chess. Chess. Te- teach me how to play chess. And he said, all right, I'll teach you. And if you can beat me the day you beat me in chess, I will pay you $100. And that was his promise to her. They shook on it. I was there. I witnessed it. Third party. Like, I saw it happen. He promised that little girl at eight years old $100 if she ever beat him in chess. Because he was a good chess player.
2: Yeah.
1: Three weeks later, she whooped him. (laughs) (laughs) Three weeks after this eight-year-old learns how to play chess, he's one move away. And he looks at it. And he had this realization of, oh, crap she's about to win and she sure did the move that he knew she was going to do and he honored his word and he shelled out a hundred dollars to an eight-year-old no (laughs)
2: way yeah he
1: he did and boy she milked that hundred dollars for everything it was worth too she got he took her shopping she spent it But I mean, she earned it fair and square and he up to her, but that is by and far her favorite memory. She talks about it She's Like, remember that time when I beat him in chess and he, but he paid me a hundred (laughs)
2: dollars.
1: I sure do. And his wallet remembered that too. Wow.
0: That is so cool.
1: But yeah, but that, I mean, that was also, I mean, Hmm. he could have easily said, Oh yeah, I'll I'll pay you another time. Or I didn't really mean it or, you know, whatever. But he, I mean, he was always, open and honest with her and she saw that she saw him for who he was and he was 100% real with her right out of the gate and I think when you are young you don't realize how much you respect that until you actually get it from someone and I think for her that's everything
0: yeah wow she was sure was lucky to have him in her life absolutely Absolutely. I wish Ethan was my dad
1: (laughs) (laughs) he he was he was absolutely a fantastic. I know he wanted to have yeah. kids, and you uh-huh. know, I'm I'm very, very thrilled that he got to experience fatherhood with yeah. you know, Kaylee. And even though my son's older, um, and is an adult, but you know, I'm 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 glad that he got the experience of that, even if it was for a short time.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Ethan did tell me about Kaylee a little bit. You know, he would call you his girls, and. Hmm. You know, he would brag about you a bunch to me, you know, the few times that we talked about you. Um, but he did mention Kaylee to me as well. he was like, yeah, I'm a dad now. And
2: yeah. <laughs> he would tell people,
1: I have a little girl.
0: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, He told me about it. Yeah. Was just always like, man, I got to get out there and meet, meet your girls, man. He's like, yeah, oh, you love them. And he'd go on and on about you guys. So that's very he, sweet.
2: How oh, cool. He
1: definitely took care of his girl. And I mean, he would have given her the world if he could have.
2: Sure. Right. He
1: had him wrapped around that little finger. I'll tell you what.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I understand now with my own daughter. She's fine. Mm-hmm. It's like, did, was it Ethan able to meet your family? I don't.
1: They're yes. not in
0: Phoenix, right?
1: No, none of my family's in Phoenix. Okay. Um, Ethan did meet my dad um, one time my dad was able to come out for Christmas, uh, uh, 2018. So, um, and, and again, unfortunately, I mean, we were only together for two and a half years, so we didn't have an opportunity after that time to really have my dad out. Um, but he did meet my dad. My dad loved him. He thought he was fantastic. I don't have, um, interaction with the rest of my family for the most part. That's shoot. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, for the family that I do have contact with, um, my dad was able to meet him. And then the family that I have on Facebook, you know, saw our love through Facebook, saw how great he was and definitely was in full support and, you know, offered their support, you know, after his passing. So they definitely knew we're aware of, you know, what we all lost with, with losing him. So sure. yeah, okay. uh, the the family I have involved in my life definitely loved him as well.
0: Okay. Awesome. And then and so I'm sure you got along with his family pretty well. Did you were you able to meet Brad the dad and
1: oh yeah. I them? yeah, no, I yeah. adore every member of his family. Um sure. and in fact, uh, we were just up in Prescott a couple of weeks ago. Um Steve had a gig and big Kaylee with us. So anytime we go up to Prescott and we have the girls with us, um, you know. Kathleen gets to see, you know, Kaylee and Olivia and last time we were up there a couple of weeks ago, Kaylee stayed with, with Kathleen and she's like, I get to see my grandma. So it's really great for Kathleen and, and Kaylee to spend time together as well. And I wish that we had the opportunity to get up there more often just with work schedules and, and life. Unfortunately we don't, but no, I, I love every single member of his family and absolutely, you know, want to stay close to them, but yeah, they're all fantastic.
0: That's been my experience so far too you know I've gotten to know his family well I say his family but Kathleen and I have have especially mm-hmm. through the course of this podcast gotten to know each other really well and it, and it comes
1: it, from good stock
0: <laughs> he does yeah a lot of stuff started to make sense once I got you know to mm-hmm. talking to Kathleen and getting to know her I was like oh Absolutely. okay yeah. you know and then um Brad you know I was in communication with him for a while too and i just remember Mm -hmm. you know and i remember when ethan introduced me to brad it was like he go he kind of gave me a disclaimer he's like okay (laughs) my dad's a trip dude
1: i think i got the same disclaimer
2: yeah
1: but you know it's it's the one thing that they both exude is love you know and and That shows in who Ethan was and Mm -hmm. what he himself, you know, just put out to the world. You know, he was clearly loved Mm -hmm. so well by Brad and Kathleen, and he just put that out there in the world as well. And so, you know, that says everything about his parents, and I love them both dearly. And, you know, they, like I said, he comes from great stock. So, you know, I can't say enough good things about Brad or Kathleen.
0: Sure. well. I like to ask people about, um, you know, depending on how many podcasts you've heard, I'm always curious about what type of humor Ethan liked to do with each of his friends, because he was able to adapt so well to everybody's, if he had a dry sense of humor, Ethan could pull out his dry sense of humor. Mm -hmm. If you had, if you were super silly, he could be super silly, you, you know, so like, what kind of humor did, did you guys share with each other?
1: I got it all. I think I got the whole gamut. He, he, you know, he, he. Um, there were times where he would catch me off guard with the dark humor, and I would look at him, and I'm just like, "You
2: can't say that," <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you
1: know? and, no. and he's laughing, and it's just the two of us, but I'm like, "I don't know if that's okay to say, and I don't know if I should be laughing at this, but okay." um but yeah I I I think you know he ran the gamut with me um I got the silly humor I got the funny you know dry sense of humor I got the silly dad jokes I got I would turn to him and look and he'd be crossing his eyes and making this horrific (laughs) face that is super creepy Stefan if you're listening you know what face that I'm talking about because it's like (laughs) it's, it's it's I, I can't emulate it, but he would do this thing with his eyes, and I'm just like, it's hilarious, but it's also so creepy. Can you please stop? Because I can't look at you. <laughs> um, but there was, just, there were just so many days. I mean, I want to say every day was filled with laughter to some degree in that house um, with us. And so for me, it's really hard to pinpoint one specific type of humor because we were just laughing all the time, um, even in you know, serious or frustrating moments, you know, maybe I was having a frustrating day at work, he would make me laugh. Um, Or if I was sad about something, he would make me laugh or vice versa, you know, when we were always just doing everything that we could to be whatever the other person needed. Um So for me, I think the humor was just all encompassing all the time I got, I got every bit of it and, and, and got to see all sides. And then there was the there was the gig humor that was specifically reserved for gigs. And he would shut that off when we were in the car driving home for gigs. You know, he was on stage and he was performing, but he would need that time after gigs to kind of be like, all right, I'm good, you know? And, and now it's, well, I'm over here. So, you know, there was definitely silly humor that he reserved for gigs that was only for gigs. And then the rest of it was a different side of him.
0: Uh, one of my favorite things with Ethan when we would talk is I would ask him to tell me a story. About, <laughs> Which well, one? He,
2: Did he, you people, have ten years? Well, that that's that my
0: question. <laughs> you know, I, I, and I like I, I like to hear stories of uh, kooky people that he jammed with because you know he would tell it yeah. in a way that wasn't necessarily disparaging against those mm-hmm. people, but it was always full of humor and he'd make fun of them a little bit in in, in, <laughs> a, in his nice way, you know, but. What did, you know, what were your favorite kind of stories to hear? <laughs> I'm sure you, you are fun, you know, with telling me how much you guys talked.
1: It's it's so hard to nail it down to one specific sure. story. And it's yeah. so funny because I have not met so many people that knew him. But during your podcast, I'll listen or I'll look and I'll see who you interviewed. And I'm like, that person is the person from this story. <laughs> 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 Did he ever tell you the Crazy Train story?
0: I think so. Remember- okay,
1: so um, where the singer couldn't remember all the lyrics to Crazy Train because maybe there were some substances involved, and so they just kept re- repeating the crazy, uh, just one lyric from Crazy Train over and over for all of the, the entirety of the song. Like, that's probably one of my favorite songs. So every time I hear Crazy Train, Uh-huh. laugh because I imagine Ethan telling me that story that the the singer was so inebriated that he couldn't remember the lyrics so he just repeated the chorus like (laughs) the lyrics of the chorus you know there were so many different stories and so many people that I it's so hard to nail it down to one um But it it was always funny and it was always, you know, lighthearted and and said with love. He would share these stories with me because it was his way of letting me get to know him. And, you know, the man lived five lifetimes before he even met me. And so we had such a short time together that, you know, he's trying to give me all of this backstory, you know, in, in such a short time that it's like, how do you had, I, I want. I, I wish I'd just taken notes. I wish I'd just sat there with a pen and a paper and just taken notes, if I had known, you
2: know? Sure.
1: <laughs> if I had known, I wish I could have just written. And that's, I mean, that's why I'm so grateful to you for this, just recording these sessions in this podcast and really just being able to capture all of these stories because that is such a great way to honor him and memorialize these stories and these experiences that people had with him, you know, from his childhood all the way you know, up to his passing, I think he would be so honored and so humbled by what you're doing, because that's mm-hmm. exactly, you know, when we think about these stories, that's what we want. They're memorialized. And, and it's such a great way to honor him. He'd be so proud of you.
2: He'd he
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, I love doing it. I miss him so much. And it's, and it's, it's like, I love talking to people about him because it keeps him here with me, you know,
1: absolutely
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah i am um, you know and there's these little things that happen even to this day where kaylee and i will look at each other and i'm like oh that's ethan you know yeah. like,
2: sure. it's
1: it's where it's you know time goes by and maybe there's there's not these little reminders you're always thinking you know it's not a day goes by where you're not thinking but you know the reminders maybe aren't as in your face and then all of a sudden it's like oh but that one is like yeah. hey how you doing
2: <laughs> you know
1: i'll hear a song i'll I'll turn on my radio in my car and, you know, one of the songs that is, I haven't heard in forever comes sure. on and I'll just shout out to the universe. Hey, Ethan, you know, yeah. and then I say well, hi, because I'm like, Hey, you know, no matter what you believe, like that's, that's my thing. I'm like, I'm acknowledging and saying, Hey, I know you're hanging out. Good to see you. Thank you for visiting.
0: <laughs> cool. Uh, You know, um, that, that happened to me the other day. I, I was going through this hard, I was looking for a specific video on this hard drive and um, I was mentioning earlier, I found a bunch of greener stuff, but I came across mm-hmm. a music folder where like, I remember when I left Phoenix to move to San Antonio with Breon, I, I got rid of all my CDs, but I digitized them first and I saved them in this file mm-hmm. and I had like I had nowhere near as many as Ethan had, you know. But that, that, that wall... I, I
1: boxed them up. So trust. I was me, gonna
0: I say, dude, what was that like? Getting dealing with all of CDs? <laughs> can even imagine.
1: That's oh, I wish I'd taken pictures. They I I, oh, so many CDs. Oh.
0: I made a video. I made a video once. I'll get back to my story in a second. But I made a video once when I recorded, um, that last EP that I put out. That um. I dedicated it to Ethan, and Ethan played mm-hmm. on it, and helped me write some of the songs, and all that. But I made a video while I was at his house documenting that um, that whole week that I was recording. Steve came over, Chris Reed uh-huh. came over, yeah, Mike Mercer. Mike, I see
1: you shared that video with me, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. And I think yeah. in that video, I just kind of went all around your house. Yep. And I got, you know, the there was a lot of <laughs> CDs and all the <laughs> maps of. With the pins That was pre-me
1: moving in, obviously. So the rooms have been painted since and and all of that. But yeah, what would you say? There were like two thousand CDs?
0: At oh my least? gosh, dude. I at least, that. right? Yeah, at least, at least. I mean two, three thousand. I don't know. Yeah. I just um
1: many boxes were it, I'll say that much.
0: There were there were at least four different times that I would go try to go through them all. I just get like, oh, I can't, you know, I mean, on four different occasions, I'd like pick up. I was like, okay, I think I was on the C's.
1: Yeah. And, yeah.
0: Go, and eventually. And, and just barely like,
1: making a dent the nah, That was amazing.
0: Right? Yeah. But getting back, getting back to what I was talking about, because yeah. you mentioned about hearing a song on the radio or whatever, I took, I, I put all of the, I took that file and put it on this other hard drive and I put it in my truck and plugged in the USB and you know, I was just going through all these songs, and for some reason, I started thinking about Ethan. Um, I think maybe a Jocko Pistorius song mm. might have mm-hmm. come on, or, but then uh, Jerry was a race car driver came on. And I, <laughs> that's, that caused me to like say hi to Ethan, like, hey, yep. then I know you're hanging with me, man.
1: I could, I could um, dedicate an entire hour just to the, the little signs and things that have happened since his passing that, like, wow. I took his signs, you know? I don't want people, like I said, you know, not everybody buys into that. For me, that's my experience. I honor it. I honor whatever anybody else experiences. Um, one thing I will say, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't listen to music for three weeks after he passed. I would get in my car, radio off, because every song reminded me of him every single song he knew everything and so it was like i just I, i'm not listening to music right. so it was three weeks of silent driving you know in my car after he passed and the day i decided to turn the radio on the very first song that comes on the radio I turn the radio on It's the, the most obscure beatles song that is never on on the radio it's and i love her oh. and i was like okay that's new. Had never heard it on the radio before. So I was like, okay, well, if you love the Beatles, I, I know this song. Like this is like, okay. So I switched channels after that. It's Arian's, this one goes out to the one I love, but it picks up at the this one goes out to the one I love lyric. This one goes out to the one I left behind. And I was like, that's when this, like I changed the channel and that's where it landed. So I'm driving a little bit further and I switched channel again. Same R.E.M. song, same spot in the song, same lyric. And I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? So over the next month and a half, that happened at least half a dozen more times with that same R.E.M. song at the same exact spot in the song. This one goes out to the one I love. This one goes to the one I left behind. And it was like, to me, that's one of many things where for me personally, I look at it as he's around, he's hanging out with me. And again, not everybody buys into this. I might sound like a crazy person to some people. That's fine. This is my experience, not theirs. Um, But for me, that has been something that has been super comforting is to kind of look for these little moments where I can relate it to Ethan. like, oh, this is an Ethan moment. So, you know, turning on the radio, getting in the car and hearing a song and saying, hey, Ethan, how's it going? You know, it brings me joy. And I think that's what he would want. He would want us to find these little moments where we can connect with him even though he's not physically here, we can connect with him through a song because that's another thing that's going to help his memory live on. We can connect with him through maybe a joke or a TV show and think, oh yeah, I remember talking to Ethan about this show or this movie. And and I think it's not so much about signs specifically, but it's a moment where we can find that opportunity to relate it to him, connect and really carry his memory on. So that's where I was going with that. <laughs> Again tangents for days
0: <laughs> oh, dude, I think it's very interesting yeah I love hearing stuff like that other people have shared dreams and signs and things, oh, I've
1: had but... plenty of those too I had yeah. a recurring one for six months same one but yeah wow I could go on for days
0: <laughs> well it can't just be a coincidence that that is you know something that's happening for everybody well a lot of people you know yeah like- <laughs> that's-
1: and I think you know it's Everybody's experience is different, and sure. I think it's all in how we look at it and I choose to look at it as an opportunity to relive the the memories and relive the joy because he brought me so much joy
0: Ethan told me one time that life is um you know every situation depends on your perspective of it yep you know, absolutely I, I was having a situ I was in a situation where right. I got dumped by a girl and I called him up and um, you know, he shifted my perspective. I mean, by the time I hung up, I was like, wow, why was I sad? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, he helped me shift my perspective on the whole thing. And so, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's what you focus on and, you know, what's important to you. You know, and that kind of reminds me of, a, of another question I have, which is, you know, after all the time you spent with Ethan and how much you got to know him, um, what do you think he valued? the most in life?
1: Oh, wow. I think he valued finding the joy in moments. Hmm. Um, That's, that's, that's one thing that I encourage, you know, myself and Kaylee to do, but I think more than anything, you know, he, he would look for opportunities like, you know, kind of, you just said, shifting your perspective. Um, But I, you know, taking an opportunity or a situation that might be kind of crappy, turning it around. So, you know, what can I find in this moment that is not sucky? You know, if he walks into a situation where he's one member of a five member band and everybody else is having a bad day, he's going to be that guy that's turning the people around and saying, All right, guys, we got a job to do. And he's going to be cracking jokes on stage. And, you know, maybe he's having a bad day too, but he's going to find the joy. And I think for him, It was about taking those moments and turning them into joyful opportunities, even if it's temporary, um, to just get it done, you know, because every day is a day. we got to get through it. we got to push through. So I think, you know, being joyful in moments, even when it's not so easy to be joyful, I think that was something that he definitely valued. There's so many things that he valued, you know, he, you know, I could talk characteristics and you know, traits all day long. But I think as far as a lesson goes, I think finding the joy in moments was probably one of the biggest ones. Yeah. He valued friendships. That's the other side of it. You know, he, well, he loved his friends. He loved his friends. And um, they all know who they are. (laughs) You know, every every one of us, you know, and, you know, it's, 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 if you were a friend of Ethan's, you knew that you were loved, and yeah. and he did, and he meant it.
0: He meant what he said. Yep, truth. Sure. Well, Kirsten, you know, I've um, I've just been grilling you, dude, question after question. Boom. I boom, could boom, talk boom, to you boom. for
1: days about him. This is like my favorite subject is is him. So
0: oh, good. yeah. Um, but I mean, you know. I could go on and on with questions too, but I mean, is there anything like you know, you you got a hold of me a couple of weeks ago and said, you know, is there anything I should be thinking about, or is there you know any particular things that I should get ready for? Is there anything that you thought of, or any memories or thoughts or anything that we haven't covered thus far?
1: We covered so much. It's so I funny. Like I, I remember talking what to you right you? before this conversation started and saying, like, well, let's just see let, that let it let's let yeah. it flow organically. I mean. Sure. I I feel like in the two and a half years he and I were together um, we had a decade's worth of life you know so there's so much more like I said I could talk about him for days he's my favorite subject you know and cool. so uh, d- if ever you want to do another couple of hours of this I am all for it but I mean we covered so much and, and yeah. I'm sure I'm going to get off this call with you and think about 10 more things I'm like oh I wish I said that too Right. And, you know but i i think you know for as organically as this flowed i think we covered so much about just what an amazing person he was and you know just the lessons that you know we've all taken away from him and how much we love him i mean there's it's we we yeah we've covered a lot
0: <laughs> we have yes <laughs> and if you think you know when we're done if anything pops in your mind write them down dude you know
1: absolutely
0: absolutely I've, I've always- I've always told people if you want to talk some more, let's do it in another session or whatever. I'm down.
1: I'm
0: down. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me tonight, Kirsten. It's been so awesome to see you and talk with you. And just uh, we should definitely do it again because I could sit back and hear you talk about them for as long as you wanted to. You know, I do have one question left. Yeah. I wanted to thank you before I ask you.
1: Of course. Well, thank you, and thank you for doing this. I mean, this is such an amazing, incredible, and kind, loving way to honor him and his memory. And and even though I know he would be so like, oh, I don't deserve this. But <laughs> right. You know him. You know him. He would yeah. be so <laughs> impressed about it. It's it's one of the most beautiful ways to capture the memory of who he was and and help that live on. And I'm sure I speak for a lot of people when I say thank you to you because I know this is not an easy task to undertake and you put a lot of time and a lot of effort into this and it is incredibly meaningful to myself and to so
0: many others who
1: who miss him every day.
0: That's, that's wonderful to hear. Thanks for your words. Of course. You know, th- this is my, I think all of us, you know, process what his absence in our life the the best way that we can, you know, and this is just how I ended up doing it. You know,
1: I hope it's been healing for you.
0: it's been good for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So my last question for you this time around is what would you like people to know about Ethan and the type of person that he was? Hmm do we have another two hours?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: right.
1: I think I, I God, it's, it's so hard to, to narrow that down to one thing. And I think you have done such a good job with these interviews in capturing a lot of what he was about. Um, I mean, to know him, if, if you knew him, you know exactly what I would say. I think more than anything, I mean, I'm better for knowing him than for being loved by him. And I think anybody that knew him probably feels the same way. And so it's so hard to really narrow that down to one specific thing. Um, I, I think I mentioned it in the beginning of the, um, the interview, but everyone in the world deserves an Ethan type of love. And if the if everyone were to be able to be loved the way he loved me, the world would be a better place. And and I think the that that alone kind of speaks to what I would want to say is his heart was so big. His heart was full of love for everyone. You know, even if even if he was upset with you, he loved you you know, and he had love for you and he held on to that love for you. Um, You know, there were people, you know, in our conversations where he would, would tell me, you know, Hey, I'm not thrilled with this person for this reason, but I love them, you know? And, and that was, that was the biggest thing about him. He was so full of love to his core um, for everything and everyone that he came across. And, and, and I think if everyone just, you know, had love for each other the way that he had for people. Like I said, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound hokey when I say it, but I truly mean it. I mean, he just, he loved, and he loved hard, and he loved big. And that was something that just is, is a huge descriptor
0: of who he was. Very well said.
1: I mean, I, I know that if I, if I could tell him one thing, you know, I, I would thank him. I would thank him for loving me the way that he did, but for teaching me how to be a better human. I mean, I feel like I'm better for knowing him. Um, But I think, I think really just sharing with the world, you know, how he loved and just loving big. That's, that's what I would want everybody to take away is, you know, how big he loved.
0: I like that answer. (laughs) It was so good to see you, Kirsten. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. It, and it was so good to see you, Chris. If you ever want to do it again, you just let me know. I won't hey, you here.
1: let me know. I know our schedules are crazy. I know I didn't beat the Chris Reedy record with having to reschedule <laughs> eleven times.
0: Oh man, that was, so yeah. <laughs> and it was both of us too. It was like,
2: yeah, it was like playing,
0: it was like playing rescheduling tennis. You know, we were just going right. back, and forth, back and forth,
2: but it was <laughs> worth it. It
0: made it. Made it made it that much more cooler when we finally connected.
1: And thanks for being patient with me while I kind of, I mean, a lot of Of you and I, you know, the delay in meeting was scheduling, but processing grief, you know, processing the healing. And I have been very vocal, but I have also taken time to kind of focus on when I should be vocal about certain things. And it's just taken me a moment to get here. So I appreciate your patience with me while I get to this point to be able to, you know, now I can sit down and talk with you for two and a half hours about the joy that he brought to my life. Whereas, you know, it's while still painful, it's healing and it's part of the process. And You know, he would want that and and he would want us to hug each other. So I can't wait for the day that we're in the same room together and I get to see you and we get to hang out and maybe go to a concert together or something.
0: <laughs> well, that's going to happen. And, and you're yes. welcome, dude. I mean, there have been a few people that, you know, there were more people I contacted and there's a handful that just, they weren't there yet, you know, and it, it I yeah. never got frustrated or anything with them. I totally understand. And that's why I appreciate everyone that I've spoken to, you know, for being vulnerable and opening up and talking to me and, I figured that someday you'd be ready or someday you wouldn't. But either way, I would—I lo- love you no matter what.
1: I love you. And thank you for loving him. Yeah. Like, honestly, really, truly from me to you. I mean, like I said, he and I had a decade's worth of conversation in the short time we were together. And I was privy to a lot of conversations about his friends and how he felt and I got a lot of insight into how he felt about you and many other people and I can say with full certainty he loves you and thank you for loving him so much to do this for him and for everyone else who loves him it really means a lot like it's
0: well that it's means a lot coming a from you, do you? Thank you
1: thank you it's a fantastic way to honor him and thank you for loving him so hard and so well
0: it was easy to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's very easy to love. I know. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean,
0: it's, it's effortless to love him for sure. Yeah. And it's still spreading around, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's, I mean, really, that's one thing I want, you know, that, that love, it's so big and I want everybody to just take it and love the way he did.
0: Well, it's happening. So I think the goal is being accomplished.
1: Yes. One of the things Kathleen and I talk about is um, we've talked about it from the beginning is that love just grows and grows and grows, even though he's not physically with us. And that's I can see it. And that's what this is. This is this is an expression of love. So thank you.
0: You're welcome. Have a good night. It was so good to talk to you.
1: You too. We'll talk soon. Take care. You too.
0: Bye. Kirsten wins the award for the first person to make me choke up during the podcast. Uh, Her words meant a lot to me, and I really enjoyed that conversation. It was just um, so awesome to learn and hear about Ethan's capacity to love and to accept love. And it really is a lesson for all of us. And I did pay attention to what he did to make Kirsten feel loved. And uh, it's a shame he never got to write that book that Kirsten suggested. I also want to thank Kirsten for being so open and vulnerable and sharing such intimate details about their relationship with us. It was a really special thing that they had. And it seems to me that in the short window of time that they had together, they shared more love than some people will share in a lifetime. So that was just a great conversation and I really do appreciate her taking the time to uh, talk with us today. So we are almost at the end of my journey. Uh, Next week is the last episode of the podcast. And for that episode, I'll be talking to Kathleen Newman for a second time, Ethan's mom. We spoke after the first season and I wanted to reconnect with her and just kind of um, hear what her thoughts are, give her a chance you know, to say anything that might be on her mind, and I'm curious uh, to know what she thought of the podcast and all of the people that she listened to uh, throughout the length of it. It's a great conversation. She shares many adventures, timelines, and insight insights into Ethan's life, so make sure you return next week uh, to join me for that. I'd like to leave you today with a song that I recorded recently and uh, this song is connected to Ethan for me because of Kirsten. Soon after he passed away she posted this song with with a picture and a couple of thoughts on Facebook and I'd heard the song many times before just like a lot of people but uh, that was the first time that I paid attention to the lyrics and to what the songwriter was trying to say, at least my interpretation of what he was trying to say and realize just what a beautiful song it was. So I put this song together in Ethan's honor and I'd like to dedicate it to Kirsten um, as a small token of my appreciation for her friendship, for her blessing along with Ethan's parents to start this podcast. And also for her uh, support and encouragement throughout it. So here's my version of Wildflowers by Tom Petty. Thanks for joining and we'll see you soon.